Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. I'm excited because we're starting a brand new series called Rest. And this is something that, uh, that I really feel like the Lord has really been speaking to me and putting on my heart for the last several months. You know, oftentimes... At the beginning of a year, we often want to start off, you know, on the right foot. We think about the idea of, okay, hit the ground running. These are comments or phrases that we say often, right? Like, all right, we've got something coming up. We want to hit the ground running. We want to, we want to move. We want to make sure that we are ready to go as soon as the, the starting block, you know, as soon as the gun goes off, we want to ready to go. That's the idea. So to start a year with this idea of rest seems counterintuitive. Oftentimes, it feels like, wait a minute, I'm sorry, are you an American? Because this is a very un-American concept of let's stop before we start, right? And but I really felt like, <clears throat> I really felt like to begin this year. How many of you in in this room right now would say that you are a busy individual? Okay, almost everybody in the room. How many of you have experienced tiredness or exhaustion throughout 2017? Right? This is not a problem that, yeah, double hands going up. This is not a, a, a problem that's isolated. This is something that all of us experience. And, and, I mean, you know, you hear the statistics all the time about how Americans don't take the vacation time that we're allotted. We're the least, uh, least rested and the most overworked of all, you know, people groups in the entire world. And so it's no surprise that we get to the end of a year and then we begin a brand new year. And oftentimes, instead of excitement for a a new year, of the possibilities of a new year, instead we're often feeling like, how the heck are we supposed to even accomplish the things that I want to when I'm already starting the year off feeling half asleep? Like that's the feeling that many of us feel. And so as we were beginning this year, as I've been praying over the last few months, God, what do you want to say to us this year? How do we want to begin the year? I felt like the Lord said, I want you to teach about rest. I want to teach about rest because it is something that we all like, but most of us are not good at it and we don't even know how to do it effectively. And the truth of the matter is that it takes work to rest. It takes work to rest. That's a phrase that I felt like was really important for us throughout this three-week series. It takes work to rest. And we want to we want to start the year off right. So this series is really all about rest, and it's about this idea, the concept of rest, which in the Bible is most often associated with something called the Sabbath. How many of you ever heard the word Sabbath? This is something that Jewish people talk about all the time, and actually in Israel they still many people still observe the Sabbath. It's really interesting. So we're going to talk about the Sabbath, not because we want to know what Jewish people do, but because it's all throughout Scripture, and it actually unlocks incredible principles for us that if we learn how to observe the concepts that God has instilled into the Sabbath, it will actually be so powerful for us and will allow us to be healthy and strong all year long. And so today we're beginning our series by asking questions about rest, and particularly the Sabbath, questions like, what is the Sabbath? What is its purpose, and what the heck does it have to do with you and I? What does it have to do with me? And so I've started this message, I've entitled this message today, and I'm calling it Time Off. Time Off. You know, I have this tendency where I like to drive my car until the last possible moment. When the light comes on, the little gas light comes on in my car, I have a tendency to want to drive it as far as possible to get every single drop out of my gas tank as possible before I fill up. Does anybody else 
do this or am I the only one? I do this thing in my head to where when the gaslight comes on, I do a math calculation in my mind. I, I do this, this little formula. Okay, I know that once the gaslight comes on, that means that I have approximately 40 miles worth of driving left in my tank given miles per hour or miles per gallon variations, given the distance and the things that I have to go, how clean is my air filter, all of these kinds of things. And I estimate how far I can go before I'm going to run out of gas. So one time... I had to drive up to the North Hills, and I was going to McKnight Road, and I got in the car, and as soon as I got in the car, I turned it on, and the light comes on. Now, I had to do this quick moment where I thought, did the light come on yesterday, or did it come on just now? Because that matters, right? It's a plus or minus that you have to worry about. So I'm sitting there, I think, I know I can get to the North Hills on time. So I drive to the North Hills, I get to the store that I had to go to, and I get back in the car, and I think, I still have more mileage. So I drive to a couple other stores and I'm driving around and then I begin my trek home back towards 279 up the hill in McKnight Road, if you know where I'm talking about. And I remember thinking, I'm passing a gas station at the bottom of the hill and I remember thinking, do I have enough gas to get home? Of course I do. My math is never wrong. This is how I said to myself, my math is never wrong. I know I have enough gas in the tank. So I'm going up the hill, making my way up to the top of the hill and then my engine starts to sputter. Oh no. But wait, no, 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 I'm, I'm sure this is just a fluke because my math is never wrong. My gas tank is full. I, I know I've got enough gas. It wasn't full, that's for sure. But what happens is, so I push the gas pedal to the floor to make sure that I can get to the top of the hill, and then my engine just sputters out and go, creeps to a slow death. Everything stops, and I'm on the side of a hill up, going up towards 270 on McKnight Road, and my car dies because I run out of gas. And I get out of the car, and I look around for the nearest gas station, and about a half a mile down the road is a gas station. Now, I have to walk all the way down the hill without a gas can. I didn't have a gas can. So I'm walking down the hill in hopes that by the time I get to this gas station, they're going to have a gas can. I'm going to be able to fill up the gas can. Then I'm going to have to walk back to my car, put gas in the car, go back to the gas station, fill my tank up, and drive home. But you know the funny thing is? If I had just put gas in my car, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. I would have saved myself a lot of problems and a lot of pain. And this is what happens to me all the time. Have any of you ever experienced the moment of what I'm talking about where you thought you had enough gas and then you ran out of gas? Yes, it happens. But this is really a great metaphor for our lives, isn't it? Because this is how we live our lives most often. We push ourselves to the brink every day, pushing ourselves, and we don't stop, we don't rest, we don't refuel, we think that we're going to be fine, but then sometimes we end up crashing because we pushed ourselves too hard. We get to a place where we're exhausted. And this is often what happens to us in our own daily lives. But what ends up happening is that we run out of gas in our own lives and all sorts of problems come up. Maybe you've experienced this. When you're tired, what happens? Sometimes we snap at each other. We lose patience with each other. When we're exhausted, we make mistakes right, in life or at work or at home, details that we normally would catch oftentimes go, um, you know, to the side or things get blurry because we're tired. Other things that happen is 
we fall into bad habits, maybe we get frustrated, when we're exhausted all the time, when we begin to live in a state of tiredness or exhaustion, we often get purposeless. We feel as though our life doesn't have any meaning because we don't have energy to do the things in our lives that make us feel purposeless, purposeful or that we have the strength to be able to do this. These are the problems that happen when we run out of gas. And we, it's not just in our vehicles. We do it in our own daily lives. But if we would just take the time to stop, to refuel, to rest, we would always have the energy we need. I mean, think about it. It's, it makes sense. If I would just go when I had a quarter tank of gas left, if I would just every time it hits a quarter tank and I went and got gas, I would never run out of gas. The same principle is true for us. If we, we know wherever that line is in our life, if we would just continually take time to stop and refuel in our personal lives, in our everyday lives, then we would never get to the place where we're exhausted. We would never get to the place where we're frustrated, purposeless, feeling weak because we've run out of energy. But this is so difficult for us. But you know the thing that I would say is that God is keenly aware of the fact that we have this tendency. God is completely aware that we will get too busy. God is completely aware that we would get to the place where we would not take the time to rest. And so he actually talks about rest a lot throughout Scripture. And so he instills this thing called Sabbath, this thing called Sabbath. And that's what we're going to talk about today, God's design for us to always have gas in the tank. So we're going to start by asking the question, right? What is the Sabbath? Then we're going to ask what's its purpose? Why is it important? And then we're going to finally wrap up with what does it mean for us? So if you guys would, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to read how God starts talking about this concept of Sabbath, and we're going to see how it connects to us here, but first a little bit of context. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, which talks about God's people, the Israelites, who have been rescued from Egypt, the slavery uh, in Egypt with the ten plagues. We kind of are familiar with that story. Maybe you've seen the movie Prince of Egypt. It comes from this concept of the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt, and they were, they were given Exodus. They were taken out of Egypt, and now God is beginning beginning to tell them what their new life was going to be like. So he sits down and he starts talking to them. And in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, it'll be on the screen. This is what he says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien, this is not like X-Files alien, this is like foreigner, who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, whenever we see the word therefore in scripture, it usually says everything you just said before this, now it all wraps up here. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And declared it holy. Now, why is this important? What is the Sabbath? I mentioned just a second ago that the people of Israel had just been rescued from slavery. The entirety of the Old Testament is this idea, this concept, this, the main story arc of the Old Testament is that God is creating a new kind of person. All we see in the book of Genesis is the world is surrounded and full 
of heathens, if we will. They're people who, who are all sacrificing their children to gods. They're pleading with the number of gods to try to get you know, the rain to come. They're doing all of these different things. They're warring upon each other. They're killing each other. All of these things. And then God meets this guy named Abraham, and he says to him, I want you to be a different kind of person. I'm going to raise up you and all of your children. You're going to become a, a, a nation. You're going to be more numerable than the stars are in the sky, and I'm going to have you be different, different people. So the story starts, in a lot of ways, they look just like everybody else. They, they act just like everybody else because that's what they know. We're Americans, so we act like Americans. And just like I say all the time, that God is calling Christians to be a new kind of person to act differently. The same thing was true, and we see that reflected in the Old Testament. So we go through this whole story of Genesis where God creates these people. We see the family line be created, and all along the way, they keep reverting back to their old ways. They keep acting like everything else, but God continually in parts of the story says, no, you will now do this instead. You will act differently because this is what I've created humanity for. So we get to Exodus, and he's freed them from slavery, and now he's telling them what it really is going to look like to live the new kind of life. What does it mean to be a person of God? What does it mean to be a chosen one of God? And one of the things that he does is he tells them about this thing called Sabbath. And he says, you won't be like everybody else who works all the time. Instead, you're going to stop and you're going to take a day off, and you're not going to do any work, and you're going to honor me, and you're going to relax, and you're going to chill out, and it's going to be good, and you're going to be refreshed. And so that's the context that we see this in, to where he's saying, you used to be like this, but I have something different for you. God declared that there would be one day a week where they should rest, they should honor him, and they should focus on what's important in life. In fact, it was even commanded by God in the Ten Commandments. So in, the, in Deuteronomy, which is another book in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 5.12, where the Ten Commandments are listed, the fourth commandment was to keep the Sabbath and make it holy. So it was actually part of the law. Like God saw that this thing was so important that it was actually mandated in the law. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, I... I would love for you to take time off when you find it. Like, it was a punishable offense that if you didn't take time off and rest throughout your regular week, specifically on this day, according to Scripture, it was against the law. Like, that's how important it was for God. And it's so interesting because this is a foreign concept for us. But even more than that, check this out. The example for the Sabbath wasn't just created here. It was actually created in creation, so in the creation story in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2, it says this, On the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now what we see here is that, first of all, there's one thing to notice. Notice the word Sabbath isn't even in here. So some people might be like, yeah, but that word's not there, so maybe I don't have to really pay attention to it. Here's something interesting, though. The root word that Sabbath derives from is found here. It's on the screen. It's this word. It's called yisbat. Everybody say yisbat. Very good. So you guys speak, speak Hebrew. This word literally means to cease or to end or to rest or to stop. So let's go back to that passage. It says, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he yisbatted on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. The word rest there literally means cease stop, end, like it's very emphatic. So that's the word, you see it, yisbat, which is sabbat, sabbath, right? So that word there, sabbath, 
We see that it literally means to stop and it means to take time off. So even in the creation account, whether you believe it is a literal seven days or whether you believe it was a different concept, the whole point of the scripture that we're seeing here is that in the creation concept, God said there is a time to work, but there is a mandated time to rest, to stop. It's part of his creative order. It's part of his his order for us to do. It is non-negotiable for God. God says it's that important. So we know what the Sabbath is. It is this time, this mandated, regular concept of taking moments to stop, to cease, to end, to make sure that we're taking time. But why? So now the second question. Why? What is the purpose of it? Why is Sabbath so important? And this is where we're going to start to see how it really reflects in our lives and the value behind it. There are three main principles that I feel like God wants to say to us today to understand about rest and about Sabbath, particularly in our lives. The first one is this. The Sabbath, when we're talking about Sabbath, we're talking about this idea of ceasing, ending, resting, stopping regularly, okay, on a regular basis. We're not just talking about taking two weeks of vacation. We're talking about in your regular, everyday cycles of your days and your weeks, taking time to do this. The first thing that it does, that scripture tells us, is that it refreshes and it creates space for natural restoration. Check this out. In Exodus 31:17, it says, it is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days, again, here's that creation, the Lord made heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he, re, he was rested. And then we add this thing, and he was refreshed. It's so interesting. He didn't just say he just kind of sat there, and it did nothing for him. The purpose of rest is so that you can be refreshed. The word here is yine pas. Everybody say yine pas. Look at that. You guys are learning Hebrew. I love it today. This is what it means. It means to refresh, to breathe freely, to recover, or to catch one's breath. I love the illustration here. This is like somebody who runs. Anybody who runs understands this concept of when you have pushed yourself to the brink and you lose your breath. This is what I feel like when I run. I hate it. I hate running. But even if you're this guy and he has gotten to the end of a marathon, anybody who has ever run or exercised knows the feeling of not having your breath. The, the fact that you have run so hard that you have given everything, you are exhausted and you can't even keep your breath. The word refreshed here is to catch your breath, to breathe freely. That's what that guy needs. That's what we need, right? We need to feel like if I could just stop for a moment and catch my breath and breathe freely. Some of you in the room do not feel like you're breathing freely in life. Right now you feel like you're, you're hurried. Right now you feel like you're, 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 you're tight, like you're exhausted, like you have no time to rest. And what God's word is saying is that if you take the time to cease, you take the time to end, to stop, and to rest, that you will be refreshed. The Bible says that it gives us these moments to recover. And we have been designed by God to naturally recover when we stop our bodies. Think about it. When you take time and you're exhausted, you take time to stop and you stop motion, your body begins to rebuild its muscles. The same thing happens with your mind. When you stop, your mind begins to refresh. It begins to decompress. The same thing is true with your spirit. If you are busy and you're working and you don't take the time to sow into your spirit, when you rest, your spirit has time to settle down and find balance and be able to connect back to God and find that equilibrium that you're searching for in your heart. 
We are created by God to rest, and we honor how he created us to function by resting and taking time off. So the first thing that honoring the Sabbath, its purpose, why it's important is it refreshes us. The second thing is it reminds us that we do not own our time or our resources. Listen to what God says in Leviticus 25, 23. He says, the land is not to be permanently sold. Why? Because it is mine. That's interesting. And you are only aliens and temporary residents on my land. You know, we like to think that all the things that we have, we like to think that all the things that we acquire are ours, right? I worked hard for my house. I worked hard for my car or for the paycheck that I get and all of these types of things. But scripture teaches that we actually are not owners of anything. The Bible teaches that everything on earth and all of it that is contained within the universe is his, that it's all his, and that we are actually just managers of it, that we are called to be stewards of those things. And here's why this is important for us, because one of the main reasons that we don't take time to rest, one of the reasons that we don't stop and relax and recover is because we're afraid that if we take time to stop, that what happens is is that while we're stopping, the rest of the world is moving, so I'm going to lose what I have. Or that we feel like if I don't maintain this thing, it's going to break, right? But the Sabbath teaches us that we don't own these things, and it's not our responsibility to worry about them. It's our responsibility to enjoy them. God has given us gifts. He's given us finances. He's given us the things that we have, and we should enjoy them. And we should also manage them effectively. But God's word never teaches ownership on these things. Instead, we are never to think that we own them, but instead that we are to manage them and, and to allow God to do with them as he sees fit. So, so what it does is it teaches us to take our focus off the things and recognize that they're not ours in the first place. When we stop thinking that we're the owners of everything, then we suddenly don't feel bad about relaxing or resting so much anymore. Honoring the Sabbath, taking time to stop and rest is an exercise that reminds us that what we have comes from God and it is not ultimately ours to worry about. But the third thing kind of goes along with that. Not only does the Sabbath refresh us, not only does rest remind us, but it also refocuses us to trust that our provision comes from God. Check out Leviticus 25, verses 20 and 21. This is almost as if God knows what we're going to say, but God, if I stop, what if? And this is what he says. If you wonder, what will you eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? Let's just pause there for a second. Here's the reason that we're reading this passage. Did you know that the Sabbath is not just for like a one day a week? It was so important to God that the, it's a principle of his, of his divine universe, the way he created things to work. He actually instilled it into their farming practices. Did you know that? That every seven years, they weren't even to plant for a harvest for a year. So they would plant their their seeds, they would harvest for six years, but on the sixth year, they would not plant and they wouldn't do anything for the seventh year. And God actually told them, don't plant so that you can rest, so the land gets the rest, so that the land doesn't get farmed. And then he goes, but I know your next question is, you will ask me, what will we eat if we don't plant in the seventh year, if we don't gather in produce? And then he says, I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. What we don't count on in our personal lives is that when we don't rest, is that God can do more with six days than, he, than we could do with seven. This is the divine principle that Scripture teaches We think that it's our stuff, and therefore we must protect our stuff. We think... That, that I have to work seven days in order to get seven days worth of, of, of produce or effort out. But in God's, 
economy, in God's physics, in his laws of the universe, in the way that when we operate with him, that when we take the six days of work and we rest on the seventh day, that God's blessing, his provision, his responsibility kicks into gear and we get more out of six than we could produce on our own with seven. That is God's math formula. That's how he operates. But we don't act like that. We don't live like that. Americans certainly don't. And this is whether we're not necessarily talking that like every single week you have to take a day off. Like in Israel, they literally take this to the letter of the law, to where they believe they won't even push elevator buttons. They have, did you know that in Israel, they actually have automatic elevators? So that when on the Sabbath day, which is a Saturday for them, every Saturday they believe so legalistically that you can't even push a button, that's work to them, that there are elevators that just go automatically. So they have to wait for the elevator to come, doors open, they step in, they don't touch anything, the elevator goes up to where they go, they open the doors, they go back, and they get into their house. That's how literal they believe that. We're not necessarily saying that that's what we're talking about, but the idea here is that we go to the other extreme. As Americans, particularly, we go to the other extreme to where we never rest. We say things like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. These are the concepts that we are ingrained into our American society, and God is saying, you will die that way. You will not function properly. And the things that you see in your life, the frustrations that you have, the exhaustion that you have, the bitterness that you have in your own life, all of these things, the atrophy of your muscles, of your, of your brain, the way that you feel directly stems out of a place of you not being able or willing to stop. In fact, I want to go as far as to say this, and this is going to hurt and step on some people's toes, but I really felt like this is true from Scripture, is that because we see the concept of rest built into the creative order, that when we refuse to take rest as God mandates, we are rebelling against God's designed concepts for who we are as human beings. We are trying to override God's mandate for how we are supposed to live. And the Bible teaches that anything outside of God's plan is sinful. Now, you do the math there. I'm not trying to like, you know, like kind of like make you feel guilty, but the concept is, is that if we want to feel and we're frustrated by the fact that we don't feel like God is blessing us, we don't feel like our life is fruitful, maybe it's because we're not honoring God with the way he created us to live. We put maintenance on our cars, right? We go to school. We do all of these things in our, in our life to make sure that we're healthy or that our, our machines function properly, but we don't do the same thing for our own hearts. And it is directly prescribed in God's word. It refocuses us to trust God for our provision. The Sabbath refocuses our reliance on God. It teaches us to look to him first for what we need. It is a discipline that trains our minds to choose God and to trust him above all else. So the Sabbath, why is it important? What is its purpose? Is it refreshes us? It reminds us and it refocuses us. But what does it mean for you and I today? What is it that the Sabbath means? How can this apply to me? Like, like, are you literally saying that I have to take seven, six days of work and then one day where I do nothing, I don't even push elevator buttons, I can't turn the ignition in my car? And that's not what I'm saying. What we're talking about in a practical space here is how can we apply this concept of rest and Sabbath into our lives? How can we honor God's design for creation and be healthy all year long? This is the answer. What does it mean for us? The big idea, if you're taking notes, write this down here. Rest is an essential part of God's design, and it must be integrated into our routines. Failure to do so leaves us feeling weak, exhausted, and frustrated. I have witnessed this in my own life. 
I have witnessed this, and I feel like so many of you right now are resonating with what is being said here. I pull this out of Scripture. This is what God's Word teaches. Rest is an essential part of God's design, and it must be integrated into our routines. Failure to do so leaves us feeling weak and exhausted and frustrated. Is that you? Do you often feel like you have run out of gas? Let me ask you this question. Are you taking time to honor the Sabbath? Are you taking time to rest, to cease, to stop, to be refreshed? Are you feeling weak? Are you feeling atrophied? Are you feeling frustrated that your efforts don't produce more? Well, are you taking time to honor the essential design of God for your life, to take time off and to allow yourself to recover? So I I began this message by saying this phrase, it takes work to rest. It takes work to rest. And we're going to finish with this today. Some practical steps for us to take. We understand what God is saying to us. How can I begin to integrate rest into my life? How can I begin to honor the principle of the Sabbath in my life? I want to be healthy, Jared. I want to be strong all throughout the year. I don't want to get to July and feel like i got to take a month off. Like I don't want to feel like I get to the end of 2018 and feel like I just wish I would die because I don't have the strength for 2019. If that's you, here are the steps to begin. Number one, you can't be too busy to rest. You've got to plan it into your routines. This is what we see. God built it literally into the daily lives and the weekly lives of his people. He commanded it. He put it into the law. It's non-negotiable. And so for us, it is folly for us to think that we can't, that we're just going to go week after week after week and month after month and never plan to take vacations, never plan days off, never actually stopping, never actually resting and doing nothing, never allowing our mind, our body, and our spirits to rest. We must plan it into our routine. We cannot be too busy to rest. Number two, we got to learn the word no. Part of resting is learning to say no. When somebody asks you something, well-meaning individual says, hey, would you help me with this thing? Or can you help me? Can you do this for me? If you have a planned day of rest or a planned time of rest and someone is going to in, you know, invade into that space, it might be important for you in that time to learn the word no and to say, I can't. My wife and I have long instilled a date night into our relationship to where we, um, every week on Thursday nights, we have a date night. And almost always we say no to people who want to have a meeting or who want to do something. And it's not because we don't love them. It's not because we don't want to um, spend time with them or that it's not valuable. It's because we have to rest as a couple. It's important for us to spend time together. We say no to those things. There are occasions, of course, or exceptions, of course, but we have to learn. You have to learn the word no. In order to rest in God, there are things that you have to say no to. But on the flip side of that, you have to practice the word yes as well. Practice the word yes. Well, what do you mean, Jared? You tell me to say no or yes. I don't understand. Sometimes you got to say no to things, but other times you have to say yes to things that you don't like or that are not common to you. Some of you are workaholics. Some of you are individuals who, who love, who feel like you get production out of your work. And that's great because we need you to work. But at the same time, you have to say yes to rest. You have to say yes to a vacation. You have to say yes to reading a book or say yes to going for a walk and relaxing or taking a hike in the woods. For some of you, the problem isn't the word no. For some of you, the problem is you just don't say yes enough to the things that are healthy in your lives. 
in order for you to be rested, in order for you to hear the voice of God, which is what we want to hear this month. This month, we're trying to learn, what is it that God's saying to us? What does he want for me in 2018? What does God want for our church? But we can't hear him speaking if we never take time to learn his voice. And we do that by pausing. We do that by ceasing. We do that by ending, by resting. And we begin to understand the things he's saying to us. But we have to say yes to the Holy Spirit by saying no to things that get in the way. But sometimes we have to say yes to taking time off. Sometimes it's saying yes to the things that are healthy, but we feel like we don't have time for. And finally, you got to know the difference between laziness and intentional rest. And what I mean by that is this, is if your idea, if your idea to get healthy is to stop doing everything, just I'm done, you know, like that's, forget it. If that's your idea, then you probably aren't resting and you're just weak, exhausted, or frustrated. This is what I mean. If you have allowed yourself to get to the place where you're finally like, I'm throwing my hands up, I'm done. I'm canceling all my relationships. I'm finished with this. I don't need these people, right? Like if you feel that way, you have allowed yourself to get so overwhelmed, so tired, so exhausted because you have not taken the time to take for yourself, to help yourself, to recover all the things we talked about. That's not rest. That is run out of gas, and now you need to refuel, we need to refill up. But we have to learn that, like, that work is important. God said six days of work and then the seventh day of rest. Some of us, some of you are not workaholics. On the other side, some of you are just lazy. Some of you don't work enough. And this is Pastor Jared, okay? Like, I love you. But this is reality for life, is that we have to do both. We have to work and give everything to God because he deserves it. We honor God by working hard. We honor him by giving him our best but we also honor him by resting. And some of us are really good at resting and really bad at putting the effort in and, and taking the time. And we have to find the balance. There is a difference between intentional laziness and taking time to rest and to be refreshed. So how can we begin to rest in our lives? How can we begin to build, put it in there? We cannot be too busy to rest. We must plan rest into our routine. We have to learn to say no to the things when we plan it into our lives and that want to interfere and distract us from rest. We have to say the word yes. We have to put those things into our lives. What's going to be healthy and say yes to them at the expense of other things and know the difference between laziness and intentional rest. It takes work, folks, to rest, but it results in endless energy for your life. You don't want to run out of gas anymore? Consistently top yourself off. I want that for us this year. I want to begin 2018 strong. I want to walk with the right perspective. I want to be healthy throughout the whole year. I want to be, I want to be excited. I want to be ready for what God has for us. We talked about that last week, creating ready containers, being ready for the new things that God has for us. But we cannot do it if we are weak, if we are atrophied, if we are stressed out, if we're exhausted. And most of the time, it's because we've never taken the time to stop to heal, to recover, and to allow the natural processes that God has created within us. And so I invite you to join us in our rest initiative. I mentioned it during announcements time. I encourage you today, if you're listening on the podcast, you can go to www.facebook.com slash EncounterPGH and go to our events. We have the Rest Initiative event set up. We've got packets for you today. Don't leave today without getting one. If you didn't get a packet, they're at the Connection Center. But online, you can stay up to date every day. I'm going to be posting the Bible reading plans, the devotionals, and the spiritual disciplines. And what those disciplines are and how to, how to engage in them are listed in the back of the packet. Everything that you need for the next 16 days of being beginning to just take time, 
every day, stopping, hearing the voice of God, listening to his word, I promise you, you will begin to see healthy patterns develop in your life over the next 16 days. We're gonna begin this tomorrow. I encourage you to join us. Begin this space, begin this moment. Join us in the initiative. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close in prayer in our response time here. Over the next two weeks, we're gonna be talking further into this about rest, about how do we how do we rest in the moment? How do we rest in the middle of a storm when things are, are scary or frustrating? Today we began with just talking about the idea of it, how God designed us for it. And so we wanna now turn our hearts to him and we wanna hear his voice speaking, but we also wanna to respond to him. Father, scripture paints this picture that you existed before the dawn of time part of your creation, part of your movement of of all things coming into being includes this concept of pause, of ceasing, of resting, of ending, of recovery and refreshment. And so we want to participate. We want to join in that movement now. We want to say that 2018 is going to be a great year. We say that in faith, but we put our feet on the ground, our boots on the ground right now in a space of of saying, you know what, in faith, we're going to begin to start counterintuitively. We're going to start by stopping. We're going to start by building rest into our daily, weekly, monthly, annual routines. We ask that as we do, you would speak to us, that we would recover, we would become refreshed, that we would be reminded that you are in charge, that we would refocus that you are our provider and that we can take time to rest because you will provide what we feel like we might miss in the day of rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to encountergiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.